Tonight's episode is brought to you by Smurf Niblin Incorporated Fishing, Philosophy, and Feelings. Whether you're an underground angler trying to pull your catch from fathoms down, a pretentious thinker pondering the reasons for life, or just a sensitive dark elf experience extreme emotions, our staff of skilled fake can help you reach your full potential. Remember, that's Smurf Niblin Incorporated Fishing, Philosophy, and Feelings. We are the Deep Gnomes. Smurf Niblin Incorporated Fishing, Philosophy, and Feelings is a direct subsidiary of Mind Flayer Designs for all your ultra-vision fashion. This is the Misdirected Mark Podcast, a podcast about gaming, game mastering, and entertaining you, our listeners. We are explicit, and you have been warned, and I'd like to thank Mike Willard for letting us use his music on our show. Now let's pick up those mics and get on with this thing. And welcome to the 499th episode of the Misdirected Mark Podcast. Tonight we discuss layers and focus in your tabletop role-playing games, but first, my name is Jerry. My name is Phil. What the hell? It's 499? Mm-hmm. My name is Chris. And I am baffled that we made it to 499. I am too. Also, Old Man Logan. You think it's uh, impressive now? Yeah, you wait till next week. 500? I'm also baffled that you're Old Man Logan. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> Me what does, Have you ever seen him? What does baffled mean? <laughs> baffled? Bob know. was Old Man Logan when he was like in his 30s. Damn right. <laughs> he was screaming, get off my lawn when he came out the womb. Get off my lawn! <laughs> it was weird. Never That's mind. I realized that after I said it, I'm like, I made a mistake. I don't know. I don't know if there's a time because I only met Bob, I think, at the end of his 20s into his 30s. So I don't know if there was a time where he was like young and like freewheeling Bob and then calcified. Or did you like calcify at like 14? I mean, based on the stories that he's told us, he used to like go driving around like a like a like a wild person when he was younger. Um, No, I was never (laughs) freewheeling. Like free spirit Phil? (laughs) Yeah, like free spirit Phil. Free spirit Phil. That's mm-hmm. not uh, not how this guy worked. Mm-hmm. No. I mean, I know like at 50, you just like, you totally like jumped in. You were like, oh, I'm officially old now. It's on. I would right? still like, say that you're more of a free spirit now than you were then. I, I mean, him? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Okay. Just some announcements real quick. So episode 500 is next, next week. Actually, when... When you're hearing this, we'll be record. We'll be recording episode 500 that evening, or have already recorded episode 500. So you know, it's a thing. Yeah, we already uh, put our announcement out on the Patreon and stuff. Like this won't matter to anybody else. But next week's 500, there will have been guests. There will have been celebrations. There will have been talking about the past, the present, and the future. All of misdirected Mark. So tune in for 500. Let us yes. know your feelings about misdirected Mark. Hilarity will ensue. We should talk about our Patreon, I suppose, huh? Mm-hmm. There is a Patreon. There is a Patreon. It does say pimp the Patreon here in the show notes, so you should mm-hmm. probably pimp the Patreon. We have a Patreon. It's at mmp at patreon.com, I think. It's not, oh, misdirected market patreon.com. You like Patreons? Bad. You want to get down? You want to you want a party? You want a good time? You want a good time with a, mm. a good time with a little Patreon action? We got a, I got a Patreon for you. Like the MMP Patreon. It's <sighs> good. It's good. You keep going. did say pimp. <laughs> we got we got big games, little games. We got D20 games. We got indie games. We got PBTA games. If you can find better games someone else, play them. You want a little after show? Is that what you're into? You get into a little, you know, little after show? Well, $2, well, $2 or more. Dark. $2 yeah. or more. You can be, yeah. you can get the after show. What do you like? Group stuff? Four, I got, we got a Slack four, room. $4 or more. You want to get in you there? Get some room. group stuff going? $10, $10 or more. Yeah. You start getting my design notes about the Lamplighter's, the Lamplighter system. Yeah. And this upcoming yes. sheets of Avalon games. I started posting. You want to look, yes. look under the sheets? He'll show you. Yeah. Give it to you're not I'll show under, you a good time. You're not looking good under time. my sheets. You we are warned. You have been explicit. Yes. Come That's on. the Patreon. It's yeah. the stuff. It's the Patreon. Hey, I, I also, show us yours. I also we'll say, ours. if you are interested in actual play and discussion of the actual play and the games being played in the actual play, $4 and higher, you'll get all of our game notes and paraphernalia and whatnot that we put That's out, it, baby. Too. That's it, baby. We'll so, show you, you know, a good time. Check it's us gonna out. Be, it's going to be good. All the toys and accessories you need. I mean, last time you guys write pimp, the Patreon. I didn't do it. That was Jerry. All right, are we done? Is there any other are, announcements? Are you, are you, are you done? Are, well, you, are you done? We're going to talk a couple things. I mean, things. 500's the big one. A couple things. Because it's 500 next week, and we're just going to record a lot of shit next week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I imagine we're going to talk about Kaleidoscope and our, and our orders next week, mm-hmm. that we watch them in and what we thought about the show, because Jerry's not done watching it yet. Mm-hmm. But Jerry will be and done Chris watching is gonna it by next week. Chris is going to explode if yeah. we don't talk Jerry about Jerry will be done soon. watching it by I'll next week. I'll be done by tomorrow night. <laughs> yes, That's you fine. have a mission. You must be done before next Tuesday. Yes, I'll be done by tomorrow If night. you have to stretch it out, stretch it out, but... We will, we will give some thoughts and opinions and speculations on the open game license 1.1 next week. Not this week. Next week. Yes. We'll yeah. That also. To be honest, I mean, at this point, like, we're going to speculate about it because I don't like we've heard all the things you've heard. So we happily can speculate on those things. But 
none of it's like super concrete, so it's will, hard to do this from a. I will find a copy of the OGL 1.1 this week. I mean, you'll find it. the one that like was floating out there. Yeah, I, even yeah, that yeah. like suspect. Yeah, but I mean that's the thing. Better suspect that, but that's than what we'll not. Talk, we'll we'll talk, what we'll do is we'll talk about what's out there for us to look at, basically. Yeah, that's what we'll talk about. Yes. So we are building. We are going to build our conversation on the existing house of cards. So just keep that in mind. I, I found that the most reasonable, if you're looking for information on the open game license 1.1, I found the most reasonable place to start is uh, Jenny Dia YouTuber posted like a two and a half minute video, but it had a bunch of links in it to places that she's like, these are all pretty good okay. places to so go look for a, information. So that gives us a place to go. So that's, that's where I, that's not where I started. <laughs> okay. I just happened to find that today. I'm like, oh, this would be a good place to start. There's a bunch of li- the, the links that are off of that. Okay. Especially because since Mike Shea is one of them and he's very angry. Mike Shea is very angry about the situation. Oh, I don't blame Mike Shea. Yeah, me neither. But we'll talk about that next week. Yep. Okay, let's go to the main segment. It's a workshop, huh? Workshop, workshop, layers again? Yes! Yes! We're doing all the layers. We're going to talk about them all from character all the way down to personal. It's going to be layers galore. Where? Here in the workshop. Don't Don't suck. suck. Don't suck. So tonight's topic is a redux of what's probably my favorite episode of MMP, which is Layers of Gaming from 2016, six years ago. Why are we so old? What's this wee shit? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You've always been old. Now, this was from before I was a regular host. I remember what an eye-opener it was for me as a player in GM. I actually know where I was when I heard this. I was mowing my lawn when I listened to it. I had to stop mowing to listen to some of the details. Anyway, once I heard it, I realized it explained why I was having trouble playing with some of the games that I was in and why some of my players were engaging more with one game or another. So... In revisiting this topic, we realize that the concept and definitions have evolved to include other ideas and the way that most people uh, play go into several layers. It ends up more of a sphere or Venn diagram than a layer, and so it can be approached and interacted with in several ways. So I would have picked this episode if Jerry didn't pick it. I feel like Phil probably would have picked this episode if me or Jerry didn't pick it. I mean, the fact that it made it into like the final three, I was okay with, yeah. right? Like I was yeah, like, there was no fine. way that this was yeah. not as long be as one of us there. picks it. It's yeah. fine. I mean, is- I mean, I'll be honest. Like, I'd been listening to you guys for a little while and was like, oh, this is really good stuff. When you got to this episode, I was like, these guys are fucking geniuses. <laughs> this, this episode and Ark of the Misdirected and probably the, the, the Endurance episode are probably the three most famous Misdirected Mark episodes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I literally had a bunch of my players in the car and trapped in the car and played this episode while we were driving so they could all hear it. We could talk about it. <laughs> and the, the behind the scenes of it, before we jump in further, is like when we first stumbled on this topic, we were rattling this stuff back and forth to each other. Not endurance encumbrance. Sorry, encumbrance, the encumbrance sorry, right. yes. My bad. We were rattling this stuff back and forth to each other like chimpanzees in like a cocaine experiment. Like we were, we knew we, we knew we had stumbled onto some interest. <laughs> I was a pharmacology major. Anybody else out there just get a visual on that? I, did I, there's a number, there's probably a lot of poo involved in that situation too, which is gross. <laughs> I mean, Chris and I were in the basement of my old house because that's where we used to record mm-hmm. all this yes. stuff. And we were working through the, like, I think it was probably, if I remember correctly, it was after a show because we were like, what are we doing next week kind of thing? Doing the thing we, we do, which is like sit around and talk about game stuff. And we started like stumbling onto this. And I remember part of the catalyst from this was that podcast, the group that's out of um, Kansas. Prismatic Tsunami. Thank you. Prismatic Tsunami was they don't huge. exist anymore. Deep cut. Right. They were huge into immersive play. Yeah. And they were talking about why they didn't like fate. Yep. I was social media friends with them. Like I was chatting with them on social media and stuff. And they were talking about why they didn't like fate. And I was trying to figure out like the wording, like, why don't you like fate? Chris and I are like kicking it back and forth. And we were talking about like, well, you have to be in a certain headspace to play fate. And it runs counter to playing immersive characters. You can't really play like deeply immersive characters and play fate because you're managing so much of the game space at the same time. And so that's when we got to the idea of like, oh, there are these different spaces your mind has to be in. And then we're like throwing them out at each other, like like yelling back and forth, scribbling this stuff down because it had literally like only been invented in our heads like a few minutes before. Do you know what I remember most about this episode? What? The old school DM getting mad at us. <laughs> Why? Because he was like, I'm insulted by the fact that you think that that switching from space to space is hard and makes it difficult and then causes latency and this, that, and the other thing. I'm like, dude, that's fine. You do what you want. Like, I'm... I mean, it was yeah, fine. I'm for sure some people, is, it's easy to. I'm pretty back sure this forth. is a yeah. theoretical model that works pretty well for what we're explaining. And yeah. and we, I mean, we like, did we do extra research? No. Mm-hmm. Did we sit and figure? I mean, like, we came up with it and we went to show within a week. 
Because that's how a lot of things got done on the show back then. Like you had an idea at the end of one show, it became a show the next week. We try to be better about that nowadays. Yeah. 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 We try to like, we try to workshop a little more. So mm-hmm. it was, it was hot when we dropped it that in that first episode. And divisive like we used to be. Yes. <laughs> I guess. If you can be divisive. I don't about think we were. Layers of gaming. I don't feel like we were divisive. We were just super excited about this, this concept that explained the problem that the folks at, at Prismatic Tsunami was having with fate. And I was like. I guess this is you can generalize it as much as I don't know. You can generalize anything in RPGs, which means like the middle of the bell curve. Sure. Not on either end. So do you want to tell us a little bit what we're actually talking about here? Yeah. So bringing that all back, Mm -hmm. sometimes a player will find that a particular game or session was fun while another game just doesn't fulfill what they're looking for. And you might not know why. Right. This goes back to that fate thing. And often this is because the game's engaging players in these different contexts or layers. All right. So let's get into this. Like we, we just discussed it long enough, but we'll start with a definition like we normally yeah, yeah, do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Behold, you are in the presence of Definition Panda. All right. So what do we even mean by layers of the game? We're talking about cake. <laughs> onions. Don't get to talking about cake again. I'm hungry again for cake. <laughs> Always like onions. They got layers. <clears throat> I could, I could go for a cake. We should have cake next week. We could have cake next week. What do we mean by layers of the game? When we are playing a game, we are interpreting what is going on the game in the game in different contexts as our character, as a player, as a member of the group, mm-hmm. etc. What is happening in the game is also filtered by which context like we're currently occupying. We develop preferences for certain contexts. These are like comfortable places where our mind likes to rest when we play. Or it's the way that we derive enjoyment when we engage the game during a session. For instance, you might hear Chris, one of Chris's favorite ways to play games is writer table, writer's table style, right? It used to be. It's a little different now. Sure. But I mean, that used to be a very, that Mm -hmm. used to be very um, popular with you. And that is a particular layer of the game. Mm -hmm. Yes. Other people dig that immersive, Mm -hmm. immersive character thing. And so it's different layers will give you that positive emotional energy, the stuff that makes you feel good when you're gaming. So we call these contexts layers. Can, can I, uh, can I, can I amend now? So we call them layers. That is for visual reference. Yes. Really, they function more like Venn diagrams. Yes. They all overlap and encircle. Yeah. Really, they're spherical Venn diagrams. Really, yeah. and none of you guys like using this. Is I the term that I wind up using is foci I because know. they are multiple focuses. Yes. Yeah, but don't they blend? That's some the some overlap. Sometimes you zoom in, zoom out. You know, like you yeah. like you know like on a. Um, like on some weird relationship diagram, mm-hmm. like you zoom out to one area, zoom in. And you can be in multiple layers at once, but just understand that these are sometimes, o- or these are overlapping contexts. I would not strain too hard on imagining what they look like as much as take into mind the areas we're talking yeah. about. Bokai yes. is probably the better, the better idea for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I would, I would just say that like really what you're trying to land on is your brain goes to certain mm-hmm. places when you play. And these are the things we're going to talk about. Yeah. Um, and we're just going to stick to the classic layer because that is what we wrote this in. But know that, you know, we've we've expanded upon this as we thought about it for years later. OK, this is also going to include an influence of why we play games or these layers can uh, help determine why we might enjoy one game session, but not another. So I already did a diatribe on, you know, the idea of the term layers, but mm-hmm. let's uh, let's move on. So let's talk about what are the common foci or layers or Venn diagram circles or spheres or whatever mm-hmm. you want to use them as foci or sure. foci. Foci. We'll call them foci. foci. Layers. Layers. Layers is fine. <laughs> you get it. Okay, Phil, take the first one. Sure. Um, the character layer. This is when you are in your character's mind and you are playing through their eyes. You're asking yourself questions like, what am I doing? What is that? Like, what do I want in this moment, in this scene? What's best for my character? This is immersion, right? This is where you get to immersion. When you're in this layer and you're really entrenched in it, this is immersion. You're having those moments, and I'm sure you guys have had it, where you have, you have a moment of character clarity so strong that you, you see yourself. Like, the table's not there. You're, like, seeing the game through your character. And it may not last for long or whatever, but for those moments, that's when you're firmly entrenched in this layer. And so like some of the tools that help with this are your character sheet, like because that helps define your character. Your backstory is part of what contributes to like how you think about things and how you react to things. So that's the character layer. Another layer is what we call the party layer. And this is when you are thinking about the group as a whole, how the group is doing, what they're doing, what their goals are, that sort of thing. And so you might be asking questions like, 
what are we as a group trying to do? And how is everybody doing? Is everybody accomplishing their goals? Is everybody at least getting a chance to play in the game? Are we actually going to be achieving our goal? And in, in short, what is best for the group? And people that are there with, with the party level are off, also often there. Um, one of their interests is the interaction with the other players at the table. So the skills and goals that we're going to see, this is when you see a lot of teamwork going on. When people are playing and interacting together, when mechanically they're stacking their abilities, and when socially they're doing their best to include other team members in the encounters and, and things that they're having at the table. And your, your basic tool for this is going to be whatever the group template is. Session zero. Yes. Yeah. Session zero right. group, is... Group template, which is an older term mm -hmm. from Fear the Boot, is the document they used to use that was like, why is this party a party? That was part exactly. of their session zero. They just yeah. never mm -hmm. said it. Yeah, oh. exactly. Oh, I've, I've said that before. I've been in lots of games, especially games that I'm GMing, where I'm GMing the game and I'm like, I don't know why you guys are a team. You haven't told me why the six of you are still sticking together. Sure. I um, actually eliminate that by that's just a conceit that you have to have at the start. There is the another there's another tool that you can use for this as game masters and players. Mm -hmm. The um the frame of the campaign. Because mm -hmm. that that's like, well, here's your here's your frame for the characters. They all have to fit inside of mm -hmm. this. Now that is different from a group template because group template is a collaborative thing. A framework like that is like the game master coming presenting. Here is essentially your your you're not necessarily a group template because group template is much more specifically about filling roles and things like that. But this is like you all fit inside of this. This is why you're all together. Yeah. Yeah. There is a there, there is. Well, you said the conceit of the game is that the players are a group because they're a group. That hasn't ever been a problem with my game. It's not that they're not being a group. It's that if you looked at the characters and how they interact in their stories outside of the fact that they're forcing themselves to be a group, there are I've had groups that just there's no reason why these characters would actually be together. And they haven't discussed among themselves why. And that should have been a group, a group session zero thing that we just didn't do. Yeah. Absolutely. We're better at it now. I just think that that's, that's an interesting template. Chris? Uh, the game. The game layer. Mm -hmm. That's thinking about the mechanics of the game. You know, all the little fiddly bits that you can mess around with to get bonuses and take your actions and do things. Basically taking action in play, pretty much. Using the mechanics. That is actually the thing. And yep. procedures of the game. So, you know, like, is that difficult terrain? Do I get a bonus if I'm standing here? How do I do this in the game? If I use these two uh, skills together and take this action, do I am I do I have advantage at the rogue? Do I get advantage? Do I get advantage? Do I get advantage? No, box falls. Is there die. any possible way <laughs> I can get advantage here? What square do I need to put the center of this fireball? Oh my fucking god! <laughs> fireball geometry. No, right? no rules mastery is like the the primary skill or goal here, and that's not rules knowledge. Rules mastery is very different from rules knowledge. Rules rules knowledge, like knowing all the rules, helps. But mastery is better because that means you understand the system in play and how it functions. Sure. Yep. That way you can play the game effectively and efficiently. And move through this layer smoothly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the tools for this are rules books, rule books, studying them, understanding system design, all the all the little accoutrement that go with that. What do you want? What, 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 Jerry? What? I'm done. No, I'm wait, good. What do you when want? You're done. I was going to say before we go what you, Why are you stepping on me? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you told me to raise my hand. I did. I did. Uh, <laughs> No, I, I think that this is one of the this is one of the ways that I've seen players in the past. If you've got somebody who's who's thick into the mechanics of the game and then determining how they feel about it, uh, Phil's joke about where do I put the fireball to be exactly the, the right spot versus somebody who's like, can I get all of these guys with my fireball? Those are two different ways of looking at the same of the same thing. And some players will be upset if they don't know exactly where to put the template, while others will feel much more flexible if they just say, can I ask the GM, can I do and not do this? That's a different layer. Mm -hmm. That's a different layer. Yeah. That's the group layer. Yep. And that is not that is not the game layer. It's not interesting because game. that's communication with your game master. Ah, okay. That's why, if you're wondering, that, that yes. I was actually that's good. That is an excellent point. That is a that is a, a differentiation. That's a that's a difference between rules. Like that's table culture. Cool. I like that. Um, cool. Hence, why it's important to understand these things. Here's an, here's another interesting thing about this. And this is why I say these things overlap. And I was going to do narrative in a second. I'm a, I'm a bogart a little bit of narrative along with game. If I want to play a character, I want to I want to play a particular character in his mind. If I don't understand how the rules function for the character that I want to portray at the table, mm -hmm. and also if I don't have a clear narrative in my mind for how I want that character's narrative to progress forward, then I probably can't play that character in the character level as effectively as I want to. Exactly. So having some knowledge of those two layers going on at the same time will help me portray my character better at the table. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And have a better time, probably, yes. I would guess. I, I would venture to guess that that is mm -hmm. accurate. Yes. Right, Bob, tell me about the narrative layer. Yeah, so the narrative layer, this is where you're thinking about the flow and direction of the actual narrative being created at the table. So questions like, where is this narrative going? Will this thing be revealed? What would be the best thing to do right now? All right, what is best for the immediate narrative? This is very much the storyteller thing. And just to differentiate, what is best to do for the story right now is different than what is best. It can be different from what is best 
for my character or no, the not, party. Not for my character, for my character's story. Those no, no, but I'm saying, very, I'm saying those are two different layers, those right? Are, no, because the narrative of a character's story arc and the narrative of a meta, meta campaign arc are the same thing. They're both narratives. I'm with you on that. Uh-huh. What I'm saying is, what action should I take for my character? Like, what's like, what should I do in this moment when you're in the character level? Depends. Right. But sometimes, and I do this, like, I put my characters in non-optimal or sometimes dangerous situations mm-hmm. for fun. Mm-hmm. Sure. For my, you know, because narratively, it amuses me to let my character miss something obvious. Mm-hmm. That is a perfectly legitimate choice. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah. it also informs something about the character. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's because I derive a lot of enjoyment at that layer, mm-hmm. at yeah. this narrative layer. So your, your tools for the narrative layer are going to be all the session notes, your meta knowledge of the campaign, those kind of things. The conversations that you've had about where you all want the story to go. Yeah. Do you have a, do you have an idea of how you want this story to proceed on the, the, the arcs episode comes into play greatly here because of yep. the different kinds of arcs that can exist mm-hmm. in, in narrative play. Yep. All right. What's the next one, Phil? Campaign. This is when you're thinking about the greater story being told over the course of many, many sessions, right? Are we getting close to our goal? Where should we go next? What's best for the, you know, arc, the campaign arc of the story? Mm-hmm. You know, are we close to Mount Doom, far from Mount Doom? Is this getting us closer to Mount Doom? Campaign management is a big tool here. This is where your campaign notes, your wikis, your Google sites, like wherever you're storing your campaign stuff comes into play, gives you information about the overall campaign. So we used to do this from the Game Master point of view. Like, this is all stuff that we used to talk about from the Game Master point of view, not from the player point of view. Sure. Mm -hmm. The campaign layer for players is very interesting to me these days because I have pushed on players in my games and pushed on Game Masters in the games that I'm playing to find some way, shape, or form to include the players in meaningful ways into the campaign arc. I'm going to make a statement about this ideology that we have set up here which i think is still a very good ideology i still i think i love the idea of them being foci more now than layers Mm -hmm. because foci can be reinforced by other areas absolutely and if you can do that and understand how those things reinforce each other you can probably have a better game experience Mm -hmm. i imagine that if we sat and spent time and really workshop this like off mics for a bit i suspect that there are certain activities in the game where you combine multiple foci together to make up an activity. Sure. Probably. Right. Yeah. Like when you are like, you know, like when you're making a decision about like the next, um, like where to go for the next adventure, mm-hmm. like it's a little bit character. Yep. It's a little bit narrative and it's a little bit campaign. Correct. Right? And like, a little bit party. Right. Like put like, like they come together kind of thing. And I suspect. And potentially game if you're playing a game where you can go somewhere where it's super dangerous for you and you chose not to go there because like, well, I'll die. Right. So there's a whole lot of. Right. Like, so they start to come into play. And I think certain activities pull some of these in. If mm-hmm. we're talking mm-hmm. about the more off the, like, I don't want to say off the cuff because that's our other <laughs> show, but. Um, Makes sense. But if we're spitballing this thing live as mm-hmm. we're, you know, looking at this six years later, I do think that certain activities in the game pull these into play. Mm-hmm. I don't think these exist in vacuums. No, no. not at all. No, yeah. I, I think that that may even be. And depending on your game, that may be the norm for the game is that you're you know, that actually was I going at the same time. That was actually the flaw of the first time we did this is that we presented them as being separate entities. Yeah. Right. Without talking about the influence that they all have on each other. Right. Like, for instance, yeah. I would posit that something like D&D fourth edition combat is like a really interesting combination of game and party because teamwork is so critical in that game. Yeah, and you have to work a lot harder in that game to make narrative and character come through. Yes. Yeah. Especially during the combats. But during those combats, like I know from when we played just being in your character and even just character and knowing the rules, like you could be somewhat effective. But where you went from somewhat effective in that game to amazing was when you knew the mechanics for everyone else and how this card, this card and Jerry pick up that card. Now we're going to do some real damage here when we put these two powers together. Mm -hmm. It was it was a big part of the game. And yeah. mm-hmm. like I said, to to make character and narrative feel like an actual important part of that game was a lot of effort. I had to mm-hmm. put a lot of effort to make those two things a much, much stronger part of my fourth edition campaign, which is why the people that played that game loved it so much and talked about it for so many years. Can since we're just all over the place now and I'm loving this, can I posit that possibly all the fucking cards made it harder? Yeah, sure. Because I remember, and I wrote an article about this in Gnome Stew, when we stopped playing 4th edition, how much smaller my games, like my 
space as a player was on the table. Mm -hmm. Because before that, I had like I had a character sheet. I had power cards. I had item cards like I had all this shit laying out there. And so if I'm trying to get into character, I got like all this shit in front of me that's like bombarding me sensor sensory wise. That's all mechanical input. None of it is about the none of like very little on that character sheet is about my character, but a shit ton of it is about rules, mechanics and stuff like that. And so I know for me, my eyes like a like a TV left on was getting dragged into the mechanics of that game more and more. I only played fourth edition as part of Adventures League. It took me a while to figure out what you were talking about. We, I never had cards. Oh, I, I just had, I just had my character sheet and a list of notes, so I had no idea what that we, was. We like. we printed those we printed those motherfuckers out and cut them up. I did too. Okay. We, like, mm -hmm. I mean, okay. my my play space for that game was like the size of like this like oh. this end of the table. I also was playing and running a game every week. Yeah, like and, it was great. Right, and and that, we also awesome. the, we also had a full battle mat. Mm -hmm. Bob right. had minis, the thingies that went under the minis for all the conditions, the magnets, the yeah. magnet, like there, oh, okay, was, there yeah. was so much mechanical input at there the is. table mm -hmm. that I will posit that it was actually hard to be in character. That's why I said the thing that I said, which is you have to work a lot harder to make narrative mm -hmm. and character come out, which for me, that was, I made it a point to constantly be talking in NPCs, characters, voices, mm -hmm. or in the in my character's voice to the people that we were fighting in mm -hmm. the middle of fights. Because if you don't, then it becomes a board game. Yeah, and it was a very effective board game. Very effective. Mm -hmm. But I didn't want it to be a board game. Right. I wanted it to be a role-playing game. Mm -hmm. So my actions and the way that I fought had a very distinctive style. And the way that I chatted and mocked, uh, mocked the people made it feel like a very much a superhero game. Yeah, you actually pulled yourself into a character Correct. there to make sure that you actually... Occupied yeah. that space, but the game didn't help me do that. No, the game actually no, no. hindered me doing. Yes. It. yes, yes, agreed, agreed. Oh, that was really good. That's... Yeah, that was. So, what are your tools for this, Phil? Oh, sorry. Right. Uh, no, okay. I, talk, I talked about this campaign notes, wikis, those kinds of things. Okay. Right. The meta, <clears throat> talking to your players, yeah. asking questions, yeah. leading questions. We're always good. Like, where are we going next? What yeah. Are what doing? do you guys want to do next? Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Who who says that? Stars and wishes game. are good for that. That's yeah. a great tool for this. Since we're updating all this stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Next one, Jerry. Okay. The next layer is the personal level. This is thinking about what your wants and needs are within the context of the game. And the basic question is, am I having fun? Why am I here? And this can be defined by things like the, the player types are at the table. What your likes and dislikes are when you sit down to play the game. And the, the biggest tool for this is going to be Robin's Laws of Good Game Mastering. Yeah, that is, that is, that is like a the very classic. good tool. Yeah. For... I could give you an easier one. Just ask them. Yes. And if they don't give you a good answer, ask a bunch of other questions. Yes. Yep. This, for, is, this is what Session Zero is for. Mm -hmm. For our youngins who might be listening to the show, Robin's Laws of Good Game Mastering, you can still find, I think if you just Google it, it'll show up in the Steve Jackson store. Like okay. you can buy it from there. But also most of it got put into, so you have to be somewhat older, I believe it got all put into the third edition DMG. I think okay. a good portion of Robin's Laws character, like the player stuff, mm -hmm. all got chunked into part of the DMG. This is what I've seen possibly the most from players when we're playing a game <laughs> that has to keep checking on the players to see are they having fun. And this is, I think, one of the layers that really strongly overlaps into other foci very quickly. Because if you find out that they're there to do one particular thing or that they're invested in one particular type of the game, asking the questions and finding out, like, if they really want to be mechanical, that's going to be one layer. And if that's what they're really there for is to... Yeah, if they're there to play the game, like the yeah. game mechanics, yeah. then that's a thing. Mm -hmm. Although uh, you can, I don't necessarily want you at my table. Right. I mean, that's fine. You can go play that game. I got some other games we could play together. I mean, now, again, it can be different levels. You could have somebody who... Their favorite thing is the mechanics, but they also like some of the other layers. That's but, fine. You can play but, at my table. But they want to But they want to always have something mechanical each week to play with. Whereas I've had other players that are just there. I've got one friend of mine who, when he games, he doesn't matter care what we're playing. He's there because he wants to hang out and interact with his friends. Sure. But remember, the personal That's level it. is pers It's in your head, right? Yeah. It's the, am I having fun right mm -hmm. now? When you're sitting there and watching the game unfold, like, are you having fun? Mm -hmm. Are you bored? Are you like... This plot's stupid. Yeah. Like that kind of those thing. Are the, those are the, that's the thing that you're asking yourself, but yeah, how do yeah. you get that to the everybody else? Mm -hmm. Which is, yeah. I mean, the, the, if we're looking for like actual like tools to utilize at the table, yeah. my first off, of course, session zero, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I just gonna, session zero is very you important. Cannot, yes. cannot session, zero is very important. session zero is, session zero is very important. Also, <laughs> Send and I had just said the other day, if the number of things I said in, need to go in session zero, if we actually did all of them, 
session zero would take about four sessions sure. to get through, right? Like you got to pick and choose which ones you want That's in there. That's kind of ox. I mean, ox took three sessions. You know, ox took a long ground. time to get yeah. off the ground. Yeah. The, the other important like update tool to that, I've come 180 degrees around on this, is I think Stars and Wishes. Stars and Wishes fixes these problems. Sure. Mm-hmm. Because you can ask a question without getting terrible criticism and finding out what people actually like to want in the future. Sure, sure, sure. Without mm-hmm. being, without feeling bad about yourself. It's a nice tool for that. As yes. long as we're talking, define for everybody really quickly what Stars and stars Wishes Stars and are. Wishes. You ask at the end of a session, what were the things that you really enjoyed during this session? Those are your stars. And what are the things that you would like to see in the future going forward? Those are your wishes. Yeah. And if you, if everybody gives that answer, honestly. Honestly. Mm-hmm then the game master and the players with each other, because the players should be listening to each other, can work to give those things to each other. And then you can update your whatever session zero meta document thing that you have for the things that you want in your game. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I'm pretty sure there's probably a bunch of other tools that I don't know about, but those are the ones that I use constantly now because they're yes. very effective. And honestly, as a player, knowing what the other players want helps you to help them. If you're doing a collaborative, very collaborative table where you're all trying to have a good time together mm-hmm. and you as a player see an opportunity where like, oh, if I do X, I can help get us to what Jerry wants mm-hmm. and also, help Chris to get Jerry to where he wants it, to be. It also inserts you into Jerry's story. Yes. Which makes it more, it feels more like an actual storytelling collaborative experience. Exactly. Instead of just three, if, if like in our Ox game, if we all play just for ourselves, it would be three separate stories yep. inside yeah. of a ship and that's sentient. Being, being collaborative with each other is, is, in my opinion, for me, it's way more fun. Now, now the trick to that is to find your openings and then insert yourself into those things, yes. which is a whole other episode, actually. Well, <laughs> and also to the opposite, which is find an opening to insert people into your story so they can yes. act at that. Pull them well. into yours. Pull mm-hmm. them into yours. And then, and when you do that, pull them in and then step back a little bit and let them add to the narrative of your story. Back on, back on topic, yeah. guys. Yeah. Back on topic. Yeah, we got to rein yeah. it in. <laughs> Do we right. need to rein it in? You need to rein it in enough. You're like on a completely different topic about including people in seeds. Yes. Like I said, I did say it was another topic. Yeah. yeah yes. You guys all you guys all kept going. But also That's go to the next. Fault. Also, somebody go to the next level. Is it group? Yeah, it's, it's group. group. <laughs> thing about the group wants and their wants and needs. Ah, surprise. It's also a, it's also a foci. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. We just talked about surprise, it. Surprise, motherfucker. I was already doing it just out of order. Like, yeah. look, we yes. just talked about it. Move on to the next one. Out of game. Out of game. Yeah, this is thinking about what's going on in the space around the game, thinking about the other players, who's ordering the pizza. Mm-hmm. Hey, grab me a soda from the fridge. Yep. All right. When this is, is Bob going to pee next so that yeah, we can all take yeah. a break? Hey, get out of my way. I got to go pee. Yeah. I'm yeah. super bad at this. Um, this, you know, I mean, this this layer speaks for itself, right? There's no real tools that you, you know, it's. This is one of the things I learned from you guys is you guys actually take mid-game breaks, which is wonderful. I'm glad we do it. But for years, we would just marathon game. We would play for eight hours and Sony would just disappear for a minute and come back. We didn't take. I don't like, take breaks. We're going to take a break for five minutes. Let everybody hit the bathroom, and grab something to drink. I hardly ever take breaks. I don't, I, I don't even think about it anymore. Like I just like, we're playing, we're playing, we're playing. Oh yeah. You want to take a break? Fine. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> take a break halfway through. People usually have to pee. I'd rather yeah. people, I, I just I'd rather people just it. get up and pee for a few minutes. Yeah. yeah. I just don't think about it. I'm just like, I'm in the game. I'm playing the game. I don't think about it until it starts to happen. But as soon as one person decides they need to get up, take up, you know what? There's a good place to break. Why don't we take five seconds every the bathroom? That's usually how I capitalize yeah. on it. Yeah. There are tools to this now, though. Yes. Like, we use social media to talk to each other. Mm-hmm. We use documents to organize each other. We use things, like, to rotate whose turn it is to, to get dinner or whatever for certain mm-hmm. groups and things like that. Yep. Or what we're going to have for dinner. When we're going to get together. When the doors open. There's there's all sorts of communication tools, which mm-hmm. is really what the out-of-game stuff that is true. tools are. Which is any communication tool that you find to be useful and easy for everybody at your in your group to use. So... I mean, when we first created this, right, this, you know, who's ordering the pizza thing. When I was a teenager on a Friday, we'd start gaming at about three in the afternoon mm-hmm. and we'd game until about 11, 12 at night. And so sometime around six, you all start getting hungry. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this question would start to percolate in people's heads. Like, you know, somebody start getting hungry. Somebody be like, we'd be in the middle of a scene or in the middle of a combat and somebody be like, when are we ordering pizza? Right. Like, that's where. Bam, out of game, pulled everybody yeah, like boom, <laughs> like you know, everybody shift layers now that we've asked this question, kind of thing. We alleviate a lot of that in ways where, like, we have dinner before we game so that it, it doesn't actually come up. But and we you know, use social media to talk about it beforehand, yeah, we like that's all yeah. taken care of. But I mean, I've seen you guys like when we play Knights Black Agents, like, we'll all be sitting playing, we're having you know, we're, we're it's not an it's not a very immersive game, but we're all playing the game, and then somebody picks up the brownies, mm-hmm. right? And then everybody's like, whoa, whoa. 
you know, yeah, hand it over. Yeah, pass that over. <laughs> like pass it over when you're when you're done. Because for whatever reason, that game always has a plethora of snacks. There's more fucking snacks in which that game. Which kills me. I have to. That's my own personal. <laughs> well, anyway, like when I I was just about to do it because yeah, I wanted to do it too. Back like, in. Yeah, you can do that and work what, it out. What's happening here? Phil's raining us in. I don't that's understand. Bad. You guys is bad when I'm the one who has to pull us back in. Look, if you'd like to see the chart of our layers, activities, and tools, which is not nearly as complete as what we just said mm -hmm. at all. <laughs> it will be available to all of our patrons. <gasps> patrons! What? Bespoke plug. You can just go get it for like $2, $4 a month. You want to see some table action? Gotcha. Table action. It's there. Just show us the money. Show us the money. <laughs> show me the By money. By the way, we use, group interaction. we use that money to help like make better, like we'll talk about yeah, that make stuff the end, for baby. the, make yeah. stuff for the show, right? Like we could probably buy a fill a better shotgun mic than we have right now. Everybody else has got pretty good microphones, but Phil could probably use a better microphone. That one's Britney, good. It's I need good. the Britney thing that's like taped to my head. No, you don't. You do, not anyway. need, you do not need the $3,000 microphone. No. So what does all of this actually do for players, right? Nothing. Like what's, the, what's even the point of this? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it does something. So th the idea is to start to understand like where your mind is resting during different kinds of activities, right? So if you're like, if you're a player who loves immersion, right, then where you want to stay is like character, party the personal and group layers, like the stuff that's like about being in your character and interacting with everybody. If you are like big into storytelling and, and narrative gaming, right, then you're going to be like somewhere like character party game and the narrative layers, like, cause you're going to want to mess with the story. You know, I want to, Oh, I'm going to create this thing in the story. I'm going to create this complication cause it's fun kind of thing. And again, we've talked about this. You can be in multiple layers, multiple foci at the same time. And depending on how deep you have to be in one of these, like we do get some context switching, cognitive load issues and things like that. Like if a game forces me to have to pull back hard, like we were talking about fourth edition mm -hmm. into the mechanic, like into the game layer, it can be harder to push back in. Like Chris was saying into the character layer. Just ask yourself, how tired are you at the end of your game session? <laughs> yes. If mm -hmm. you were exhausted, then you probably had to do a lot of switching. <clears throat> but then, then again, maybe you just stayed in that one mode and that's exhausting for you. Or you stayed in a place where you like, or, you know, you, you don't feel tired. You come out of it like, super chatty, like wired, because you spent a bunch of your time in the space that is happy that for you. That you really like. It's your happy space. Yeah. yeah. It gives you some ideas, but also, again, if you're, um, if you're playing a super mechanical game and you like really immersive play and every time you get into combat, it drags you back out of immersion because you got to sit and like crunch numbers, mm -hmm. hit tables and things like that might not be the best game for you. Or talk to your GM about how to make the combat more immersive, more immersive. Exactly. Phil already kind of touched on this, you know, these, all of these things can make you understand why it's hard for some people to stay in character during combat when you're bouncing around between different layers. Some people find it very easy to mm -hmm. switch layers on the fly. Some people don't. And you have to be aware that if some people don't find it easy, then that's going to be affecting their enjoyment of the game. At the amount of times, like we've been playing a game and it's like mechanics, let me move my guy here and attack. And then like the bad guy says this to you and they're like, look at me with, with glass eyes. I'm like, well, just take a second. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> well, how would you respond to that? It yeah. might matter. Then they're like, Oh, <laughs> all right. So it's in green. So I'm just going to say it. I'm, I'm going to yeah. talk about it. I don't this, know why. This, why is this, this in green? This is, was in green because this was supposed to be all of us talking about it back and forth. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. you know, this is this, this thing, this function mm -hmm. is, is how many foci you need to traverse in a turn to how, Complex each foci is to complete the things required is dictated by the mechanics of the game. Obviously, Phil wrote this. That sounds like my boy. Sounds like sounds like a long time ago, Phil. That sounds yeah. like a long that, time ago. That determines how easy or hard it would be to remain in the character foci. And then there's the there's the chart. One of Phil's charts. The four quadrant oh, chart. Oh, come chart. On. You, yep. Now you know this is like Professor yep. Phil, right? Professor Phil is here with the chart. Tell me about the chart, Professor Phil. Whew. All right, let's take a look at this thing. It looks like we're going with uh high narrative responsibility to low narrative responsibility and complex mechanics to simple mechanics, right? Mm -hmm. That's our Punnett square. Yep. So, um, you know, high narrative responsibility, right? We got to, we have to operate in the story level. Complex mechanics means we have to, we have to be at the game level and that combination complex and high narrative hard to stay immersed. I would say we're operating at the meta story level. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's hard to be immersed in that. Mm -hmm. um, likewise, if we have low narrative responsibility and simple mechanics, Nothing really dragging us out of our character level. Mm -hmm. uh, we can stay in there and stay immersed for a lot longer. Way easier. Yeah. Way easier. If I don't have to check a bunch of charts, tables, if I don't have to do the um, role master critical table, right? Like read one of those monstrosities. Like I can stay in character a lot longer. Man, if I'm playing, um, 
what's that? The one world dungeon or whatever dungeon, like the the oh world of dungeons, world of dungeons. World, just roll like a couple of dice. Like I'm barely, like I'm barely even thinking we're just, about it. We're just we're just playing the story because we're right. not we're not playing much game. No, no, we're, exactly. <laughs> we're not playing much game, so we're just playing our characters. And you know, if that's what if that's what you're into, I myself have a. Um, I think I wrote this article a few months ago about um, bursts like micro immersion. I don't believe in like total immersion. I believe in moments of immersion. So um, total immersion. This goes, this plays into this idea is that at times, uh, depending on the play of the game, falling into the character level is really easy. I remember just uh, last month when we were, um, we were playing Ox and Tam and Gamma wound up having a talk about how they're more like than, than um, they're more like than they both thought the rest (laughs) of the game dropped off. And the two of them, we're just talking. It was after the mountain climbing thing. They were back in the data sphere. Everything else on my side of the table stopped. I wasn't worried about the mechanics. wasn't paying attention to anything that was going on at the table. I was just having a moment of immersing myself in Gamma, having this conversation with Tam about what it was like to be left by her brothers and how, you know, she felt abandoned and Tam has abandonment issues and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Anyway, the Punnett Square thing works, but it's ultra simplistic. It gets it, it's way more complicated. Yeah, than reality that. is more 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 complex than that. But yeah. right, it tends to be a a, a multi axis surface. Right, which is super hard to like. No, nah, man, I just up. think that the foci with reinforcement over other places makes more sense. Oh, for people I, to visualize. Yeah. I would yeah. very much. I would be very comfortable spending some time off mics, uh, working this out into more detail. Like, I don't even know I, there's a more a, mature model. I don't this. even know if there's a good visual model for it. I don't know if there's a visual model, no. but I think there's some like. I think there's some good discussion about this. Yeah. Tell us what the layer model does for the GM. Sure. Game story and campaign are big layers uh, when you're GMing. Character too, right? From time to time when you're, um, when you're dealing with NPCs. But through play, um, you're guiding your characters through different layers to give them different experiences. So depending on, what the, depending on what the optimal layers of the game, there are places you want players to wind up. We are sitting around saying, like, look, we want to play a really immersive game. Like, mm-hmm. as a group, we want to play a really immersive game. Then there are things I can do as a GM to help keep you in certain layers. Yes, right? because if you're in the character layer, you can ask personal questions. If you're in the group layer, you can have them make a plan. If you're in the game layer, you can set up intricate maps with minis, drive the fiction towards a move that you want to trigger. If you're in the story layer, source the table, ask players to contribute to the world, create choice points so that you can let the players choose where the story goes. If you want, or in the campaign layer, you can ask players where to go between games creating new areas. Yeah, like that. It's actually pretty good. <laughs> yeah, like so no, you, how, how many people got that? Let's say it again. Just rewind it <laughs> yeah. and, and play it, it again. Play it at 75%. Correct. So Chris all down. you people that played it at 1.5, ha. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you get for playing this fast. Dude, I was reading it and I was having trouble keeping up. <laughs> if you're not shooting for one kind of experience, you can also shake things up by pushing players into different layers to mix things up during a game. So one of Chris's favorite tricks in games is he likes to put a story into the combat. Mixing the different layers together, right? Yep. Right on the yep. table. That totally thing. Totally mm-hmm. a thing. Yep. Uh, they don't always sound like they mix, but they do when people go back and forth between them. I think I think what you really wind up accomplishing in games is you can hold people in certain places for a bit. If I want to play a game and I want to keep you in the game layer a bit, mm-hmm. then I put something mechanically fiddly into the encounter mm-hmm. for you guys to mess with. Like, oh, this is a timed test or, mm-hmm. oh, this is a little different. This time test has like the following parameters around it. Mm-hmm. And now you guys will play with that a little bit more. If I want you to stay in the character layer a little more, then what I do is I deal with more of us talking and I lay off the roles, mm-hmm. right? I, I don't call for roles right away or whatever, let you linger for a bit. And then I'll be like, oh, cool. You know what? Let's, res- let, let's see how this, let's see how this ends out with a role. Yeah. And again, that's if you're trying to craft a thing, like I, I don't really try to craft these things i really look at them in terms of like i see them as the biggest benefit of like when do i like something versus when do i not like something i mean i always i always craft them to be specifically a thing like cool there's a thing here how is it impacting the narrative how's impacting the story does it impact a character story Mm -hmm. that's how i'm always thinking about everything that i'm designing though yeah that's that's a that's a natural occurrence over the course of 35 years of doing this sure so i i think to that effect i think to that effect what you're saying is I tried, you're trying to make things in games that engage multiple foci all the time, all Mm -hmm. the time. Yeah. Right. And I'm saying, so that part, absolutely valid, right? That makes a very rounded experience. And I'm saying that when you want to have a more single note experience, there are some ways to kind of pull the faders back on some 
and push the faders up on others. Sure, you can totally do that. Yeah, but I think, and I don't think either one is particularly better than the other, and I think it's actually good to, I think it may be better to consider all foci at the same time. Yes, if you can. And again, if, if, if you want to. Well, and consider if your group has attention problems, you might need to attack that um, out of game layer. Maybe you've got too yep. many distractions going mm-hmm. on or eat before we play. Like, That's why you have the big die. The big, yeah. <laughs> right, the big exactly. die to like, yep. to quash. We, we talked about tools for all of this over the last 500 episodes too. Right. Yeah. yeah. But it, but those are the problems they're addressing, right? Like if your out of game layer is interfering with the game or character layer, you can take some actions to try to reduce that. Chris, do we uh, do we need to hit any of the rest of the this chunk of notes here, or do you want to? No, I think, no, I think it works great for game designers. Yeah, like thinking about the stuff from a game design point of view. Mm-hmm. I think it matters a lot. Yeah, you talk about story games, man. They traverse a ton of levels, and you need to have mechanics that facilitate that stuff, or to help you create multiple foci at the same time. Because otherwise, like if there are no mechanics, then we're just playing in the narrative level. And, and if you don't want that for your game, then you need to think about that. Yeah, yeah. right. These are th- these are the things that you need to think about as a designer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. If your game is like all about, you know, cool, immersive play and you've written like this incredibly complex page turning set of mechanics. Yeah, then mm-hmm. then you're not getting immersive play out of it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So like you have to think about those things about what you want. Like For the Queen is a perfect example of a game that is completely narrative and immersive mm-hmm. because it's just cards flips. Stays yep. stays mm-hmm. out of its it stays out of its way mm-hmm. um, a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say that games like Dungeons and Dragons and Pathfinder and stuff make you work a lot harder to add in character and narrative beats mm-hmm. and and then i think i think you can even compound that that certain classes make it even harder correct like like wizard is a whole bunch more mechanics you have to engage in than rogue one of my kind of benchmarks is how often do i have to go to the book during the game yep. if i have to look up rules on the regular basis or just look up how things are going to interact with each other even if it's not a dice mechanic that is going to change how people how immersed people get in the game and, and this is where like certain tools are really cool like yeah. i don't know if you remember so DCC, like magic, is really complicated because like every spell has a random chart. But Purple Wizard has this tool that you can make a PDF of your grimoire mm-hmm. so that you don't have to open the big book. Your spells are just like in a little PDF. It's even better than that. You or just, they have the app. The app. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have the app where you just plug in your number, hit a button, and it tells you the effect, mm-hmm. right? And again, those things are do um, those things do two things, right? They in terms of focus, they allow you to l- linger less in that game level mm-hmm. and go other places. There's a lot, not a lot of mechanics in there for like helping you do the narrative thing, though. Mm-hmm. No, not no, no, no. <laughs> I mean, in the games I'm talking about. Like, yeah. Yeah. there are a few mechanics in D and D, like backgrounds and things like that, and Pathfinder too, for for like narrative stuff. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, I would say that um, a good middle middle ground, like Cortex, is a good middle ground because of distinctions. Sure, mm-hmm. um, Fate's a good middle ground because of aspects. Mm-hmm. It's got mechanics. You play the game. It's got pieces to it. I think what's interesting about DCC, and it's not necessarily FOS, I think, but the way that they get you into character is the funnel. The goal is you're supposed to take your characters into the funnel. You're supposed to lose a bunch of them over time. And the experience of having spent time with that character is what invests you in the character Mm -hmm. so that you actually have more background about your character before play. Like That's like the intention of the funnel is it's a character investment tool. And you're really not supposed, like, you're really, like, I think it's by third level, you're supposed to get down to one character. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting, I don't, like, I think yeah. it's interesting. And I think people, like, have a lot of fun with it as just its own activity. Mm-hmm. But I know, like, when you guys finished your funnel, I was way more invested <laughs> in the characters that survived that funnel than, like, when we started. Oh, yeah. I thought that it was way more interesting. So, Bob, what does the layer model do for players, then? Yeah, so if... If you're identifying what layers a player enjoys, that can help you pick the games and the characters and the character arcs that that player is going to do. Letting the GM know what layers you enjoy can also help them run better games for the player because then they know where you like to be. Mm-hmm. And the more knowledge you give to the GM, the, the better off you're going to be from that from that other end of the table. Yeah. And both of these can be really important <clears throat> because I've known dozens and dozens of players who just didn't enjoy a game because they were playing in the wrong layer for their enjoyment. And they didn't know why... They weren't enjoying it. They looked at the game and said, oh, I thought this game was going to be different. And once we, once you know, oh, well, the problem is that you really enjoy this part of it. As a GM, all you have to do is just we're to include a little bit more of this in the game. And all of a sudden, now they're having fun again because that thing they wanted to do is being applied, whatever layer that is. So. And I mean, there are certainly people who do not enjoy fate because they will tell you, like, everybody has to be a GM at the table, right? Like, everybody has some sort of narrative or story responsibility when you play this game, like, in terms of what aspects you create, what aspects you engage when you, when you're, you know, when you're 
making a role and that kind of thing. I'm not necessarily saying that's exactly accurate or not, but I've heard people say that. Multiple people have said that to me. Well, Chris wants to Chris wants to disagree. Feel free. No, no, I'm not going to disagree. And but there's a different activity that goes on at that table. What is the most effective way to play Fate? To create and manage aspects. Yeah. So if you're not creating and managing aspects as a player at the table, then you're not actually playing the game effectively. And you really won't have that much fun with Correct. Fate. Yeah. So, you know, and yes, what you said not is right. something that you like, then, then Fate is not the game for you. Yeah. You and, should play something And that's else. probably why I don't enjoy Fate as much, because I want to I want to be more active in the game doing things as opposed to just going around creating aspects on a regular basis. Oh, no, that's how do you be active in the game doing things? You do things that create aspects. That's actually how the game plays. Yeah. Okay. I mean, one of the strongest, one of the strongest tool, the strongest tool in that game is create advantage. Yes. yes. Create advantage is actually a way cooler mechanic and way more effective mechanic in that game than actually attack. Correct. Attack is like the last thing. Like after you, the ideal way to play is to slap a whole bunch of advantages on the table and then place an attack that scoops up a shit ton of those bonuses. And essentially can, you can, you can one, you can one shot. You didn't one shot because you spent four actions to get to that. Sure. That's, but I mean, that's the, but the cash in. Is yeah. like, yes, we but, spent four turns that running tells around. the story. That yes. actually paces the encounter. Yes. Yeah. You know, in a very clever way. That's yeah. why Fate's good. Like, Fate is bad for a different reason, in my opinion, is because the dice are not additive. Yeah, I got yeah. And people have a problem with that psychologically. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, I still don't understand the probability of Fate versus my numbers. That's the problem with yeah, the game. Yeah. The created advantage isn't a problem. <clears throat> That's why it works so well when we're playing Cortex. It's the same mechanic. It is. But it's, <laughs> I was, I was going to say, when you, when you said the best way to play Fate, I said play Cortex instead. No, it's not the best way to play Fate. <laughs> best way for fate, me to play fate, fate. Fate is different than Cortex is, for a number yes, of reasons. Yes. Right. But yeah, it, it, it's a very different, um, there's a different, very different flow to that game. And there is a lot more, there is a teamwork component to it because it's hard to just create all the aspects by yourself. It actually works a lot better when yeah. everybody's kind of contributing. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. Teamwork and fate is actually much more effective than teamwork and cortex. Yeah. I think that that's going to be something. Yeah, I think we that, kind of mod ourselves into. Yeah. Um, well, in, in order to teamwork and cortex, I would have to create an advantage. Jerry would have to create an advantage, and then Bob could use those two advantages in cortex. But they're just two extra dice. They're not actually pluses in cortex. Yes. No, I'm yes, saying in fate. In fate, they're actually additive. Yeah. They're pluses. That's a yeah. much more effective. Yeah, you're guaranteed for each one that you pick it, up in it fate. It creates a different play style as a team game. And again, yeah. when we go to the the dice mechanic thing, mm -hmm. once you've once you've amassed a high enough bonus, mm -hmm. you're because your dice average to zero. Yeah. Because your dice average to zero, if you make a roll and scoop up four, that's plus eight. You're probably you're, if they're if their difficulty is a five yeah. and, and you get the roll and, and you're the three, you're probably going to swat them. Yeah, I think that's part of where I have an issue because like when combat actually starts in a game that has combat, I don't want to spend three turns before I get to put the beat down on the bad guy. Well, that's my point. I think you don't understand how. Yeah, and and that's okay. You don't if you enjoy just, the play style or don't understand that the the setup is part of the combat. I love that part of it before the combat starts, but once like once somebody draws a gun, I want to shoot them. I get you. I don't want to spend four turns. Figure out how to like drop a shit. And it's a different, and, yeah, it's a, that. it's a different way of looking at combat from a player perspective. If you're used to doing it the, the way most other games mm -hmm. do it, and then you get into fate and it's like, well, we got to go around and we got to do all mm -hmm. of this before we, you know, we give them the shot. It's for some people difficult to flip that and get, you know, what you're doing yeah. there. But the uh, other thing is if you've got multiple people, yeah. only one is getting that shot. Also, the most boring thing to do in Fate, like Phil said, is I'm going to shoot him. Like, yeah. that's okay. You shoot a gun. Yeah. That's not even cool. But in, really not, in that, a, that, that, and that's part. Yeah, in a different game, yeah. it's like we've, we're in combat. We've got that's three players and we've got a bad guy. All three players, like, I attack the bad guy. You're way off target again. Yeah. <laughs> well, my thing is almost every Fate game where I've been in has been, we've got three players, we've got four bad guys. I'm going to yeah. tie yeah. us off, but yeah. I will tell you a great example of some really, any really fun way to watch yeah. that play out is Rockalypse. The Battle of Bands and Rockalypse. You could also is just a, play it in any of my games. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, Rockalypse does, does this. Rockalypse <clears throat> does this cool thing where you know, every like your lead singer is going to be making the attack, but the rest of the band is dropping aspects to yeah. hype things up. And that and that sounds like it's an excellent mechanic of the game playing to the theme it's trying to that's, get to. That's because Eric Simon understood the thing that I just talked about and yeah. designed the game around the yeah. thing I just yeah. talked and, about. And it, and it plays great. And I'll just say that like when you hit somebody with a 36 good, shift. Good job, Eric Simon. He's yes. probably not listening to the show yes. anymore. Right. That's her. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Anyway, get us out all of right. here, man. We're all over. We're done. We We're done reviewing layers in gaming. We hope Why you enjoyed that. Why are we all that. over the place? Because this script is 
Because we went six off years ago, yes. and I'm like, I don't think this way anymore. We've evolved, <laughs> which I wanted to not change anything because I yeah. wanted to be like, I'm gonna argue with myself from okay. six years I ago. Say, I was just gonna I was say, gonna why say, didn't we fix the notes? Because I wanted to shit. argue with I, myself from six years I'm ago. Like, we, wrote, we wrote yeah. this four weeks ago when I asked everybody to read over it. I, was like, I did read now, it. Now I know why. Okay, <laughs> mission <right>. accomplished. <laughs> get us out of here. You know what? I'm gonna tell everybody about another show on the network. How about that? Do that. So we've got a relatively new show called Thacko with Advantage. In which Angie and Jared, who love talking about RPGs and D&D, they get together to share their insights into the games they're running in the campaign journal section. And then they tackle a variety of topics that affect the game in the DM's workshop. I wonder what they could be talking about. I wonder. <laughs> they're going to talk anyway, so they might as well record it, right? Just go follow Jared on Twitter at, yes. uh, at what do you know, uh, JR. What do I know, What do I know, JR? Yeah. I don't know. He what has, could they possibly be talking he about? He has multiple, multiple, <laughs> multiple Twitter threads on, on what's going on. Yes. Yes. And they're all excellent. Yes. But if you listen to their show, you may find it enjoyable. You might also pick up uh, some kind of old D&D factoid about a previous edition of the game that you didn't know about. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Hey, folks, it's been six years. And I got to argue with myself from six years ago. How many, time, how, many, how many people get to argue with themselves from the past? Probably not that many. Not, not that many. Really. What are our reflections on uh, on this layers and gaming thing? By the way, I did my reflections already for the last like hour. I, I touched on some of them, right? Foci, I think, is the better way to talk about this. And I think the thing that I'm walking out of this episode with is the idea how some of these combine in certain activities. Like, I think there's some like little formulas for certain activities in a game that I think might be interesting to explore. But for me, it was really it's not layers like it's not going up or down. It's moving around. I'm with you. Yeah. The only other thing I had to add to that, which I already said, was like, I think these foci are reinforced by other other areas. I agree. And because they're reinforced and mixed, you can probably play better games, damn it, by doing those things. Play better games. That might games, be the last time it. I ever say that. Maybe next week I'll say it. Well, yeah. Play better games, damn it? Yeah. Oh, no, I'm sure it's going to come up a lot. I haven't said it in a long <clears throat> time. Okay. Uh, what about you, Jerry? I think I've gone over most of it. I think that this topic helped me identify why I like certain games as a player and also how to make games a better experience for my players by identifying what layers they prefer and basically incorporating all of that into the adventure. So when I sit down to write an adventure now, I take into account everybody's preference for layers and what worked and didn't work the week before and why. And I think this helps me identify all of that because it gives me good notes to work with. Bob? Yeah. I, I mean, as a player, this was mm-hmm. liberating. Mm-hmm. Having an understanding of why I like certain games or certain parts of certain games like that knowledge knowledge is power kids all right and having all of that knowledge gets me to the point where i can say oh i really don't like playing that game or i like this game we need to do more of this and being able to identify what you like about games makes for a better time at the table which is what everybody wants agreed agreed okay we're skipping the conversation corner and going right to the patreon shout outs all right get us out of here so thank you super much, Richard Wyatt, Joseph Peralta, JT Evans. Also, thank you for helping us test out our Zoom situation. Yes, thanks, JT. JT. Eric Mengi. We hope your back's better, by the way, JT. Brian Kurtz. My Brett. Not my Brett. Somebody's Brett, but my Brett. Chris Steele. Uh, Jared Rasher, who we just mentioned earlier. And Eileen and Brandon Barnes. Good friends of the show. And thanks to everybody else for listening. If you like more content like this, you can find it at our website, misdirectedmark.com, where we've got a whole bunch of episodes on a variety of different shows. And if you want even more than what we have on the website, which I'm not sure, like you got a lot to listen to. But if you were if you're a completionist, um, then you're going to check out our patron page and uh, get access to the whole bunches of bonus episodes and stuff available. Whole bunches. Whole bunches. You definitely should check out our Patreon page. Anyway. This huge number of episodes includes some of the shows in the Mr. Mark Network, such as They're a Super Geek, Bone, Stone, Obsidian, Pandas Talking Games, The Gnome Cast, Bonus Experience, and the all-new Thacko with Advantage, plus back episodes of the amazing She's a Super Geek. If that still isn't enough for you, I suggest checking out our sibling podcasts, Tabletop Bellhop, The Knights of the Night, and Mastering Dungeons. Before you traverse another level or get stuck in the character level for way too long, uh, pop out to... The personal level. Give us some feedback. <laughs> it was good. Reach us directly Maybe using laugh. weird, old, archaic emails at mmp at misdirectedmark.com. Is it really weird and old and archaic? I wrote that, but I'm not sure that I believe that. Uh, you ask young people. Young people hate email. Okay, cool. Why do young people hate email? Because they grew up with texting. Email's slow, bulky. You have to write like 
You have to write a whole thing rather than just like fire off a text to somebody. With it's, some emojis. it's as bad as snail mail. Okay, you're putting something. We're old. In. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah, Terry, you're like deep it's, into Gen X. Like, there's like two generations that have passed us. Oh, I like, know that. They like they're they didn't like they only were forced to email. Anyway, we'll get Where into else the after can they show. find us? Hit us up on Twitter. The show in the network is at Misdirected Mark. You're so active these days. He is at Robert M. Everson. Yeah. GM Gerrymander. Hey. The Light 101. That's me. And me, DNA Phil. I'm lurking until you know. That site completely sinks. Lurkin, keep lurkin, waiting lurkin. for it too, but it just doesn't lurkin. seem to like want to die. Uh, I mean, it's like it's dying the slow death. Yeah, I see people all the time going, <laughs> "Oh, my feed is all screwed up. My feed is all screwed up." Honestly, my feed has not changed, even it's though not, all like mine hasn't changed at all. Hey, you remember that Patreon that we said earlier with the bonus episodes, tons of episodes, all mm-hmm. that. If you want to support us and Please. other shows from Mr. Mike, Mr. Director Mark, Word Scramble. It's been a while. Yes. Misdirected Mark Productions. You can do that at patreon.com slash MMP. Your patronage gets you access to the after show podcast, our show notes, the Bamboo Lounge podcast. And sometimes there are special releases. Like like the fact that I'm releasing now my design documents for the lamplighter system. Yes. Ooh. The lamplighter system. The lamplighter system. Uh, Phil came up with that. It was good. <laughs> well, this has been a Misdirected Mark Production. The media arm of Encoded Designs, Mike Trump. Second to last one. <gasps> we are.